Hi, thank you for listening to Trinity San Diego Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message will encourage you. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, you can help us by reaching others by investing at trinitysandiego.org slash give. Thanks again for joining us. Now here's Pastor Katie. Amen. Amen. Hey, well, we've been talking about how to hear God's voice, and um, really, we keep using the terminology, tune in. Tune in, okay? How to, how to tune your spiritual hearing, hearing aids, or hearing, how to hear the voice of God. And don't you wish that, you know, there was like an app we could download that where we could like connect with God, you know, directly through our app. We could talk to him and type in a message and we would get a, a almost like a GPS directional assistance on this roadmap to life, right? How many of you have the, the Waze app? Yeah, G- GPS direct. I love the Waze app because all you got to do is type in your destination and it will give you the absolute fastest route to get there. But what I also love about the Waze app is that it's got people, um, it's like a social network almost while you're driving. So you've got people along the journey in front of you on the same route, but they're reporting hazards or they're reporting, um, you know, potential police activity if you're doing the wrong thing. And if you're speeding, it's a warning, slow down, okay? That's what I love about the Waze app. And so don't you just wish that sometimes we could just download an app to hear God, you know, like it was that clear. Do you wish? Nobody wishes for that? Just me? Okay, here's the good news. We do have a roadmap. We have a GPS uh, tracking system. Okay, pastor joke. Okay, but here we go. It's the Bible. This is your roadmap. This is your GPS system that you need. This also gives you alerts to potential hazards. This also gives you warnings if you're not doing the right thing about what could happen. Okay, so this is our tracking, uh, our GPS tracking system. This is our guidance system. And so Todd already talked about it last week, how the Bible is, you know, the way that we hear God's voice. But I wanted to just kind of expound on that a little bit. And I wanted to share with you maybe some personal application of stuff that I do or how I've learned to tune my, my uh, spiritual ears to hear God more clearly in my life. And so I think really what is essential to hearing the voice of God is frequency, Frequency. I don't mean how often you do something. What I mean is, is frequency is like a sound wave on, on what, 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 what filter do we hear things from and in, okay? So frequency, frequency is something that is required for us to uh, have something direct, a message directed into us, right? So I know I'm losing you because I'm, I'm going all over the place here. Okay, let me, let me back up. So Todd has, <laughs> yeah, stop right there. Let me back up. Todd has an older car, okay? And he does not have the Bluetooth technology for my phone to connect directly with the sound system in the car. So what he has to do is get a Bluetooth connector. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yes. There's like these little connecting pieces. I did not know it's genius that you can plug into the cigarette lighter of the car and it will connect to the right frequency for you to be able to hear what's going on on your phone. So the other day I was driving Todd's car and I was literally trying to listen to the word of God. <laughs> like I was listening to my Bible app and I was trying to hear through the sound system 
what was happening. But the problem was is that I, I wasn't on the right frequency. And the right frequency in the car that connects to the Bluetooth that translates the word of God for me to hear was on 107.5. Okay, but the Bluetooth connector, when it's disconnected from the power, it, it, all, it, all it has is mariachi bands going, you know, and Spanish music, you know, and it's like, you know, and I can't understand Spanish because I was on the wrong frequency or my Bluetooth connector was disconnected. So you have to stay connected to the word of God and you have to be on the right frequency. And the right frequency, when, when you are connected through the right frequency, you can hear God more clearly. You can hear what he's speaking to you. But if we're not on the right frequency, and I think a lot of us are on the wrong frequency because we're listening to our roommate's opinion, we're listening to our best friend's opinion, maybe it's our spouse, maybe we're listening to what our mother-in-law has said about us or our son-in-law, whatever, whatever frequencies you're operating from, they are drowning out the voice of God in your life. If it's worry, if it's fear, fear of the future, whatever that might be. And so I wanna talk today about frequency and what frequency that you are tuned into so that you can hear God's voice more clearly. And I can't do that without talking about foundation. Foundational frequency is knowing your identity as a daughter or a son of God. That's, the, that's foundation. We can't talk about how, how we hear from God before we talk about the foundation of our frequency. So when you're tuned into that frequency, when you know that you are a son or a daughter of the most high God and that he is pleased with you, then you can hear him more clearly. But if you're constantly wondering whether or not you're worthy, whether or not you have value, um, and you're looking for external evidence to determine whether or not you have internal value, like cars, buying a new car, getting a new, um, a new boat, or I know you guys just got a boat, okay? I'm not talking about you. All right. <laughs> That's not what I'm trying. I'm not trying to call people out. All I'm saying is, is you know, different relationship. If you bounce from relationship to relationship to try to give you some kind of internal value, those are external things. And when we have a, a gap or a, or a disconnect in our frequency and what we allow uh, God to say over us or to speak into our life, we start looking for external evidence to determine our internal value. And... Uh, I, I want somebody in this room to know that God is saying that you are enough. You are enough, okay? God loves you as he has found you. If he found you in a pit or if he found you on a mountaintop, I don't know, but he loves you as he found you and he says that you are enough as you are, but you cannot stay as you are. We have to be moving towards him all the time if we're gonna be able to hear his voice and be transformed by the power of his word. Amen? Amen. Amen? Okay. So Matthew 3, 16 and 17, we're going to go there in the scriptures. But what I want to say and what I want to preface beforehand is that Jesus himself was only spoken to by God audibly three times that we know of in the scriptures. Three times God the Father spoke to him in an audible voice now, I, I, I imagine that there was other exchanges going on for the first 30 years of his life where it seems like he's in anonymity and hiddenness. But three times, God parts the clouds and audibly speaks wow. over Jesus. And you know what he does? He affirms his identity. Mm. He says, this is my son 
whom I love. In him I am well pleased. He could have said anything. But in, in, in reality, what he needed to establish was who Jesus was. Because Jesus was about to walk through some really hard things. And because he was the son of God, he was going to be sacrificed for us. And so he needed to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was God's and that, he was, that God was pleased with him. But we don't know for the first 30 years of his life what kind of exchange they had. And I would imagine, I would imagine that as Jesus is hidden and in anonymity, it might feel kind of, you know, shaky a little bit at times if he couldn't hear the voice of God. But when it shows up in scripture, God, I, God confirms and affirms who he is. And I know sometimes we're all, you know, the audible voice of God, most people in their lifetime won't hear the audible voice of God. But he always is speaking to us, and he's always speaking to us through his word. And so let's look at Matthew 3, 16 and 17. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And then in Matthew 17, there's the, 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 issue, the transfigu transfiguration, where it says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the, the brother of J James, man, I'm having a hard time this morning, <laughs> golly, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. We're going to skip all the way to verse 5 where it says, A bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. You see, Jesus was approved in private before he was approved of in public. Some of us feel like we're in hidden seasons. Maybe we're, in, uh, we're walking around in anonymity and nobody sees what's inside of us. Nobody recognizes or celebrates how, how God has designed us to be. Nobody rec we, know, we know that there's something special in us, but nobody else is celebrating it. Nobody else is applauding for us in those hidden seasons. And I can just imagine how Jesus felt the first 30 years of his life where he was, you know, there's several accounts of his childhood, but not much. But he just kept, he kept faithful. He kept working. Right. He kept showing up, I imagine, getting prepared right. for the assignment that he had that was in front of him. You see, some of us need to know that if we're in hidden seasons, anonymous seasons, we need to learn how to be approved of in private before we are revealed in public. I think the reason why sometimes... We go through those seasons, silent seasons maybe, where we're not being celebrated, where we're not seeing uh, what we had hoped to see in this stage of our life. We thought we would be further along than we are, or whatever it is. I think it's because God is not going to allow his affirmation of your identity to be held hostage in somebody else's mouth. He wants to be the one that affirms your identity. Right. He wants you to find your foundation frequency right. in him. Right. Because once you get to where he wants to take you to go, you will need to have that as your anchor. Right. Otherwise, you're going to think it's all about you. Wow. You're going to think it's all because of how awesome you are. And it's not. 
Guys, everything that is awesome, the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. And so everything that we have is a result of his grace over our life. Okay? And so when you are approved in private, you have to learn how to be okay with being approved of in private just by the voice of God the Father saying, you are my son, you are my daughter, and you I am well pleased. And having the smile of heaven over your life and letting that be enough to, to to gain approval from, to feel secure in who you are. Only then will God allow you to move into your public ministry like what Jesus did and what he walked into. I have just a couple ideas, just three today that I want to share with you quickly. But, uh, you know, the idea of, the, of the, the frequency in the radio towers, when you get closer to the radio towers, everything's clearer, right? You know, when you're tuning in, some of us, you know, keep putting the scan button on. You know the scan button on the radio where you just keep pushing it and then it just keeps moving to the next station? And it's like rap music, country music, talk radio, politics. Okay, some of us keep pushing that button, looking for a voice that's going to speak into our soul when God really just wants us to connect to the right frequency. And he wants us to stick on the frequency of the scriptures. 107.5, exactly, that's what it is in my my car, in Todd's car. That's the frequency that we have to stick to if we're going to hear what's on our, what's playing on our app. But when we scan through these stations and when we're hearing all of these separate voices, we can get stuck. And if we get stuck on one station, that's the voice that starts to become the loudest in our life. And as we drive closest to the loudest voice, we can't, we can't hear anything else. And so we can drown out the voice of God that's trying to speak into our spirits. And so same way, if we move away from the station that we're tuned into, if we're t- turning away, what happens? Static, right? White noise, crackly, can't hear anything. Snow. Or snow. That could happen too. And so, you know, you need to be, we need to be moving towards God's voice, not away from it. We need to be moving towards the right frequency right. for us to be able to tune in and to really understand what he's speaking to us about his will. And God's will will never contradict his word. Right. I think we all know that. His, word will, um, his will will never contradict his word. But the way that I do this, and I just thought I could share with you just from my experience, Um, how I tune in, basically. Because I think some of us have a hard time, first of all, discerning which voices we should be listening to. And I think we have a hard time tuning in and drowning out the extra noise. Because all of us have real issues. All of us have real bills to pay. All of us have real things that we're facing. But God has an ultimate authority and ultimate uh, frequency of what he wants to speak to us above all of that stuff. And so this is one of the ways that I do this. Number one is seeking. And the Bible talks a lot about seeking. Proverbs 8, 17 says, I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. 
Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I read that scripture and I kind of picture myself like, like crying out as loud as I possibly can and lifting my voice as, as, as much as I can and having my heart cry out as loud as I can because if God's eyes are searching back and forth to and fro uh, uh, around the earth or through the earth, I want him to see me. I want him, I want him to see me seeking him. I want him to respond to my worship. I want him to respond to my, my heart's cry for him. And it says right here that he comes and he strengthens our heart, those who are fully committed to him, those who cry out when they're going through a dry season, those who cry out when they're in the valley, those who cry out when they're experiencing hopelessness and they, they feel like everything is coming against them to silence their praise. That's who God responds to. That's why I, half the time down here, I'm yelling the worship songs. I'm not trying to sound good. I'm trying to let the devil know that he doesn't, he doesn't have me. I'm trying to speak what I know to be true despite how I feel. And sometimes I, I seriously am yelling. It doesn't sound good. I hear myself and I'm like, you know, I'm like hoarse by the time I get up here because I'm yelling and screaming. This is one of my favorites, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That's the popular one. But I love this. It says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Wow. Uh, there was a discovery of King Tut's uh, treasure back in 1920s. And it was discovered by a man named Howard Carter, and he was Carter. I like this story already. He was uh, an archeological, uh, biblical archeologist. I'm having a hard time, guys. Pray for me. Pray for me right now. Just reach your hands. Reach your hands towards me right now, because I'm having a hard time articulating. So there, there's, there's a biblical archeologist named Howard Carter that discovered the treasure of King Tut. But for thousands and thousands of years, it had been sought after by tourists and other archeologists and all of these researchers and everything. And he was searching for this particular treasure for years and years and years. And most people were criticizing him because they were like, you're never gonna find this. There, there's been 3000 years of people trying to find this thing before you. What makes you think that you're any different? What makes you think you're gonna keep finding it? But he was persistent. You see his find, what he found was uh, directly associated with his persistence, with his seeking it. Some, some of us have been, have been asking God for things and we've been seeking God or what we feel like we've been seeking him for. And there's a reason why Jesus said six different times in a row in the gospels that said, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find. And then he says it six different times in a row because I think that he knows humanity's uh, tendency to doubt because we seek one time or we spend one day a week on our face or we spend you know two hours one time in our bible and we we call that seeking and we didn't we didn't get the answer that we were hoping for we didn't get the outcome that we were praying for and so then we easily give up but jesus was intentional about saying that six different times because he knows our tendency to doubt yeah. 
He knows our tendency to want to give up. Yep. He knows our tendency to, to, to want to quit. But I, I believe that that's why he said it over and over again, so that we would keep on asking and keep on seeking and keep on asking and keep on seeking and do not grow weary in well-doing because in due time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Right. We have to keep on seeking him, keep on asking him, and we will hear his voice. Yeah. The river does not cut through a rock because of its power, but because of its persistence. We've got to be persistent in seeking the Lord. Number two, stillness. Number one, seeking. Number two, stillness. Some of us have to get comfortable with carving out time to be still and to ignore the distractions. Ignore all of the other frequencies that are going on. And some of us are good at this, some of us aren't. But it's a discipline because it's a command in the scriptures of how we are to hear his voice more clearly. In Psalm 37, 7, it says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And then in 46, 10, he says, Be still and know that I am God. And I wanted to give just kind of a an example of sometimes how God speaks to me, and he might speak to you in this same way. But oftentimes, when I'm facing a battle, or when I'm facing something really hard, or if I'm just seeking God's wisdom over something, I will get still, and I will get quiet. And I actually have a prayer chair in my office where everybody knows that's, that is the holy of holies. <laughs> you don't go and you don't, you don't go into my office when I've got my door closed and my face is on my chair. Right, Lucas? Yeah. Yep, he knows. And um, I have to carve out time to be still. And so we were in a situation a few years ago, Todd and I, where we were about to face a big battle. And, um, you know, we don't know. Some, all of us face battles every day. Aging parents, kids that are on drugs, um, anxiety, depression, everybody faces battles. Um, and so the proper way to find out how to fight your battles is actually through seeking in stillness. And so I got on my face, I got on my knees, and I was lifting this situation before God. And I sometimes have to do it in my mind, like do the physical act of lifting it before him. And then it's so crazy because he just gives me scriptures. He gives me portions of scriptures. Um, that's not the only way he speaks, but that's the way that he speaks to me primarily. And so I was lifting this battle and I was like, God, what do we do? This is your situation. What do we do about this? And he just whispered a portion of scripture that said, you need not fight you need only to be still. And I Googled that because that wasn't the whole scripture. And so I just Googled, you need not fight, you need only to be still. What I heard in my spirit, what came across my mind's eye was that. And so I Googled it and it opened up to Exodus 14, 14. And it said, you need not fight, you need only to be still. The battle belongs to the Lord. And what that was, that may not seem like a big like a big transformational moment right there. But what that was, what I later found out was a rabbinic, Jesus used the same technique to make a statement in Jewish culture. It's called, it was a rabbinic technique that was known throughout the centuries of rabbis that they would give a portion of scripture 
to make a, to make a statement. And then whoever it was that they were speaking to um, would later find or know because of study uh, the, re the, the, the second part of that scripture. And they do that to increase the impact of the statement. They do that to increase the weight of what is being said because it's holy and it's sacred. And I didn't know this until I started doing research because I asked God, I'm like, why do you only give me half the scripture? <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> why would you just give me half of a verse? And it's because he wants us to seek, right? He wants us to seek and we will find in the stillness of our souls to, to get the weight of what he is trying to give to us. So when, he, when, I, when I was seeking the, the second part of that scripture, I was seeking his voice and wanting him to speak to me. He gave me my answer because he said, you don't need to do anything. There is a time to fight, by the way. There is a time to fight. That wasn't my time to fight. He said, you need not fight. You need only to be still. And he said, um, the battle belongs to the Lord. And he said, you watch me fight this battle for you where you will not have to lift a finger. You will not have to say a word. And I will fight this battle for you. And throughout the, the months following, we saw God win that battle for us. And what I want you to know is that when he speaks, it's, there's a finality to it, but there's also a weight to it where he wants you to believe. He is going to give you statements in your life. You're going to hear things in your spirit. You're going to hear words or you're going to see images across your mind that you might want to discount. But if you really want to hear the voice of God, you've got to start paying attention to that stuff and seeking it. Fat, uh, last verse, um, or point. point, man, I need the worship team up here. I'm just going to get on my knees and on my face right here and just worship this morning. Man, I've been having a hard time. Okay. Thanks. Thanks guys. Pastor Bob, such an encourager. Um, number three, he, well, seeking stillness and he speaks in steps. God doesn't speak in staircases, usually, unfortunately. I believe God gives us vision, like he gives us a vision or, or something in our, in our life of what we want it to look like, but he doesn't give us the whole staircase of how it's going to unfold and what's going to happen, because he speaks in steps, because steps require a level of faith. In Isaiah 30, 21, it says, whether you turn, turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Psalm 37, 23 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. When we were getting ready to move to San Diego, I had never thought about San Diego, first of all. Like, San Diego was not, like, on the map for me. Like, it just wasn't a place that I thought about. We had never been here before. We had never visited or anything. So it was just, it was so off my radar, and so when we got the phone call from Pastor Rich Wilkerson saying, hey, there's this church in San Diego, and I really want you and Katie to, he said, he was saying to Todd, I really want you and Katie to consider coming and being pastors. And, you know, there's all, all the details of the transition were discussed, but really what Todd and I talked about was what's the first step? Like both of us were saying to each other, what's the first step in this? Because this is a big deal. So our first step was to pray for confirmation. And, and we were praying to hear God's voice for confirmation of whether or not we should even pursue it. 
And so we prayed together. And literally, I went to the grocery store and he went to the mall. So we split up after we prayed and really were like, okay, I'm believing for confirmation. At the grocery store, I could not believe it, but I was in the cereal aisle and this woman, this random woman starts coming up to me. I've never seen her before in my life, never seen her since. And she starts talking to me about San Diego. She just goes, hey, um, I'm from San Diego. Have you ever been there? And I was like, who are you? No, you know, it was just the, the randomest thing. And then he says to me, he calls me and he's on his way to the mall. And he goes, uh, hey, uh, you would never believe, because this was in Tacoma, Washington, the most random place in the world, okay? So he, he calls me, and he's on his way to the mall, and there's this billboard on the way, oh, oh, like crossing this bridge on the way to the mall, and there's this huge billboard that says, visit San Diego, with like a guy with the surfboard, and like just weird stuff. And he's like, you would not believe what I just saw. And I was like, okay, that's weird because I just had this lady come up to me and talk to me about San Diego and I've never seen her before in my life and I've never talked about San Diego or heard that, you know, heard those two words more in my life than I have in the last 24 hours. And then what happened was a couple days later, I had been on the First Impressions, I was the First Impressions pastor for our church. And so I am always like, was, was recruiting new faces to greet at the doors. And so I remembered this one particular couple that was awesome. Uh, and I was like, hey, they'd be great at being on the front door. So I call them. Their names were Mike and Young. And I talked to Young, and I was like, hey, Young, I would love to have you on the schedule to greet sometimes at church. Are you and Mike available? We could do an orientation, all this stuff. And she goes, oh, actually, she goes, I'm moving to San Diego in two weeks. And I was like, what? And she was like, yep. We're just, we're, we're leaving, we're moving to Santee. And I was just like, oh my goodness, okay, that's like the third time in like four days. <laughs> Fourth time in like four days that we've had like confirmation that maybe should check out San Diego. <laughs> just might, might, keeps coming up on the radar all of a sudden. And uh, so actually it was funny because Mike and Young actually started coming to this church um, after we came down. And it, it, since it's so, he has passed away since then and she's moved back up to Washington. But it was just kind of like a full circle thing. And um, so then we, we were praying again and we got confirmation. So we felt like, okay, we're going to take a step now. So we take steps. We, we walk by faith. Okay, and so we're like, okay, God, the next step is going down there to really see the church and to see what's happening there. So we take the step and we come down here. And we just knew. We just knew. As soon as we walked in, it was just like, yep, we're doing it. <laughs> Doesn't matter what it looks like right now. Doesn't matter um, what, what it's going to take. We're, we're doing it. So we took another step. So then we get back to Washington. I'm trying to, tell, I'm trying to explain to you guys the steps that it took and how God spoke through each step to get us to take the next step. And so, of course, we lift, we lift our needs to God and we said, we've got to sell our house. We've got to sell our house. And it had to be a, a certain time. It had to be within a certain time frame because we had to get the money from the sale into our bank account so that we could afford to move here. And so there's all these things that we're trying, you know, humanly possible trying to grasp and figure out on our own, in our own mind. And so we kept, we put our house on, on the market and it was on the market for maybe a couple months. We had dozens of people go through the house, just looking at the house and no buyers. And so it's getting, it's starting to get down to, 
to God, the wire, and um, we're looking at our, our proverbial watches saying, okay, God, when, when is it? We need to hear from you. We thought that this was your will. And, you know, God is rarely early, but he's never late. His timing is always perfect. And so literally down to the day that we needed to close or make a sale on our house and accept an offer uh, for the amount of escrow to have the money in our account when we were arriving here in May, to the day we, got a, we had an offer come in. The realtor called and he said, hey, guess what? Right when our hope was so low once again. You see, God had done so much for us, but then our hope gets in what we see, the external evidence. And he said, hey, I got a buyer for you. It's going to close this day. And uh, here's the day that you're going to get the funds, which is actually the day that we were arriving here in California. Took that step. Then we needed to find a house on our own. Same thing. I was praying for, I was praying for a three-bedroom, two-bath house with a yard and a garage. And I was getting specific with God. Because let me tell you something. Finding San Diego housing on a Tacoma budget, not easy. Okay? Not easy. And so I was like, I, I don't care. I, I serve a God that's big, and I know that we're going to get a three-bedroom, two-bath house. But I was still uh, looking at apartments, and if you live in an apartment, that's great. Um, but this is just what we were believing for for our family. And so I went to look at the, this house, and it was being remodeled. And the, the price was like $300 more a month than the very top of our budget. So it was just going to be like too much. There was no way that we were going to be able to make it work. And I remember calling Todd and being so discouraged because I only had a limited amount of time to secure this house and before I needed to get back on a plane. And I just called him and I was like, I'm, I'm so discouraged. I don't think we're going to get a, a house. And, you know, the kids need a place. And I was just complaining to him. And he was just like, well, let's trust God. And why don't you call the landlord back and ask if she would be willing to lower the rent. And I was like, mm, okay, you know, I'll do it. And so I, I, call, I call the landlord and I go, hey, you know, we're pastors, <laughs> ideal tenants. And, um, you know, we, we have two little kids and we'd really like um, to talk to you about the house, but, you know, it's pretty far above our budget. And so we were wondering, you know, is there any way that you could um, lower the rent for us? And she said, well, she said, I can go down a hundred dollars, but I can't, I can't go any more than that. And I was like, okay, that's still, it's still too much. I can't do it. So I called Todd and I told him about that exchange. And he was like, he was like, well, um, you know, we're just gonna, why don't you take a break from house hunting and go to the mall, <laughs> which is, you know, therapy sometimes for all of us. Let's be honest. Okay. Um, and so I went and I took a break and we were both praying about it. And Todd got a phone call from somebody during that time. And he calls me after that phone call and he says, Hey, do you think that house is still available? And I was like, well, I mean, it's been like an hour. So, I mean, I would hope so, you know, but I was like, I don't know, maybe not. And he was like, well, I just got a call from somebody that says that they're willing to subsidize for our rent for the first year. And so um, we need, we're, look, go get that house right now. And little did we know that that house was supposed to be our house that fit within our budget, but it also was the house that was within walking distance to the school that Carter needed to be in his special education program that he is now thriving and developing underneath. You see, we didn't know all of the steps going forward. We just took one step at a time. 
one step at a time. And God confirms. He speaks when we take steps. I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes.